to the refuah, Shleiman. I just heard some very good news about that. Uh, my grandson was born five weeks premature in uh, Maryland and was, as if you saw in the shear, it's not up on the board today, but uh, if you saw in the shear on the email that he had been taken care of by the uh, Children's National Hospital in Washington. So, um, Baruch Hashem, uh, so he doesn't have a name yet, and uh, perhaps he'll get one soon. But he this year is dedicated to him and for his refuah, uh, and um, to born to my daughter Rina Kibelevich Tapolaski, who um, who Baruch Hashem just called my wife, and my wife just called me on the way here while I was actually waiting for that light over there on twenty one and told me that the news is better. They thought that he would have to be in the hospital very, very long, not very long term, but a decent amount of time. They're giving her the idea that he might not have to stay that long. So Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Um, yeah, so the, uh, and, uh, the dedicated staff there and everyone involved has been really great, um, including Peter Holen of Greater Washington. And um, it's something to be able to go to a place that you know is the number one hospital in the United States, and it's the number one ranked uh, neonatal intensive care unit in the United States. Number one. Take a, it was according to U.S. News. So Baruch Hashem. NICU stands for neonatal intensive care unit. So as though the, it's in downtown Washington, right in the heart of, right near the Capitol building. Is that where they live? They live actually in Gaithersburg, Maryland, which is about 45 minutes away. Another shout out to the Ronald McDonald House, which, uh, you know, McDonald's has been responsible for a lot of obesity, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, difficulties and issues throughout the world, but they've also provided cheap meals and they've given back to the community with the Ronald McDonald House, which has been also a very, very valuable resource for my children. And they've been able to go there and, have some sort of menuchas hanefesh there. So a shout-out. You never thought you'd hear in a, a Torah or a shout-out to McDonald's. <laughs> but uh, yes, yes, 100%. So anyway, here's the question. Um, we missed uh, Rosh Chodesh Kislev, but as soon as Rosh Chodesh Kislev comes, Hanukkah is in everyone's consciousness. There's no laning for Hanukkah. There's no, there is, of course, the Kriya every day. And of course, that is in the parsha of the Nesiyah. What we lane every day during Hanukkah, during the weekdays, is the Nesiyah in Parshas Nosa. And you could take a look at that and see if you get any inspiration from that. Um, perhaps you do. Some people get inspiration from things that are repeated over and over again. But if you take a look at in Parshas Nosa, you'll see what we read on the first day of Hanukkah uh, starts on page 764 in the Stone Homish. And, and you can see we read um, 766, the Makr Vyom Rishon is Nachshon and you can see in Pasuk Yud Gimel that his carbon was Karas Kesef Achash, Roshim Omeyam Mishkavo, Mizrak Achad Kesef, Shem Sheko B'Shekav HaKodesh, Shnei Amaleim Solas, Bulu B'Shemen Lamincha. 
the same goat, um, and as you can see, if the shlamim was also the same. Two cattle, five rams, um, five sheep, zekor ben asano ben sora, exactly the same. And this is the pattern that is repeated all the way till, and that's the first, that's the second day of Hanukkah. Um, it, it, it goes on till the eighth day. The eighth day has a little bit of a different laning on Hanukkah. It's pretty much the same. You, we, we actually do a, uh, we do the, uh, Biomachi, Biomathiri, Biomashteyasar, uh, then it goes to the next page, and then it goes to, uh, Zos Hanukkah Samizbeach on page 772, finishing off what we call Paikas Noso, and then there's a Minagistro, which not everybody is, is a right? Uh, Etc. So there, there, that is your, that is your um, Hanukkah sort of wrap up. On page seven seventy two, we have the words Zos Hanukkah Samizbeach, which is why the eighth day of Hanukkah is called Zos Hanukkah. Um, and of course, one can't help but think about the Mishkan and think about Nesiim and think about dedication. But it, there's really very little except knowing that the leaders were bringing the carbon. There's no real description of the glory of what the Mishkan was. There's no description of a fire coming down. There's a description of, you know, of the men of the Jewish people, the 13 the tribes, the Nesim, the 12 tribes, along with, with, with Aaron. And that's sort of the Hanukkah label. That's the Kree of Hanukkah. But there's no Megillah of Hanukkah. Right? There's no. You would think the most the, the 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 holiday which probably has the most issues historically. Like when did it happen? Who's who? Who are the Seleucids? Who are the Greeks? Like, right? Um, what was going on? It, it was it was a situation where you know again you you, you you know it's 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 important to know the historical dynamic of why it was Jews against Jews originally and who was this nation that was trying to uh, force themselves upon us and, and, and force Xerot against us. What was, what was going on there? And how long did it take? And how long did the revolt last? And how many years? All of those events are clouded in speculation and doubt based on... Um, Various works that were written at the time, but none of them have been canonized or have been instructed to learn or study during Hanukkah. Let's compare that to Purim, where we might not we might have some doubt as to exactly who Achashverosh is and what year it happened in the Common Era, but we've got a story from the smallest detail down, right? And everybody comes and listens to it, and this is the Megillah, and there's so much to to be mined and to and to, and, and to make it deep and interesting year after year. Whereas in Hanukkah, you know, especially as as we sort of like explain Hanukkah to the non-Jewish world, you know, you sort of have okay, you know, the Maccabees and and the Greeks and the Syrian Greeks, and it's about religious freedom, it's about liberty, 
And in the Torah world, it's about the study of Torah and the greatness of learning and how Torah is the greatest. Right? There isn't there isn't a narrative, and there isn't even a uh, a, a distinct message. You almost hear everybody's got their own Hanukkah take, right? It's, Hanukkah is about, which is a strange thing for a yomtiv to have, right? For a Hanukkah, it's not really a yomtiv. All the Yiddish song says Hanukkah, Hanukkah, yomtiv Hashena, right? It's really not a yomtiv. There's no yomtiv means there's an Isser melacha. There's no Isser melacha on Hanukkah. There's no. There's no. It's unlike Chalamoed, which has a certain restrictions. There's nothing you can't do on Hanukkah. There's no melacha you can't do. There's no one will tell you I shouldn't work on Hanukkah. It never says. Oh, right. now there is something about during the Hatzimah about Lakas Neiros. There's something about women and some men not working during that period of Adlokas Neros. But it's not because of the the, the, the the shame Hanukkah. For example, if you wouldn't have, if you'd be in a situation where you couldn't light the Neros, so the idea of the Yisra Melocha or not the minig of not doing Melocha wouldn't apply. It's because of something to do with the Neros and, 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 and the house. But it's not because it happens to be halachically Hanukkah that you need to say Alanisim during the holiday. In other words, when it's not Han- when it is Hanukkah, you have to add certain things into the Shmona Esrei. But there's no yomtiv per se about it. Um, every Hanukkah has a Rosh Chodesh, so that's sort of like a special day. Every every Hanukkah is one of the few holidays that has a Rosh Chodesh as part of it. But uh, again, I, I'm not really giving this discussion about the anomaly of Hanukkah. I want to zero in on this specific anomaly of, and, and maybe what's what, what, how it's been dealt with, which is the Kriya of Hanukkah, the, the, what we read about on Hanukkah, and, and what, what really sort of inspires us as a text on Hanukkah. Um, yeah, I think that's really my, my point. There is none. I don't know if I can give you a good answer why there isn't one, but I can maybe suggest, and maybe you have your own opinion, as to what has become the Hanukkah text and maybe why that is an appropriate Hanukkah text. So what is the appropriate Hanukkah? What has become the Hanukkah text? Really, you could say the Kriya that's done in the morning, but again, I think I've indicated how that, that has, that's a pretty repetitive and non... I don't know. I, 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 there are some aspects here which I guess you can generate inspiration from, but I would... And again, I'm not trying to say anything that Torah is uninspiring, but I don't think it necessarily speaks to that many. I think what speaks to most people is that when does Hanukkah fall out every year? It falls out during the Parshiot, or during the Parshios of Vayeshev, Miketz, and Vayigash. The three Parshios, which I guess we could give a different name to. How was, what would be another name you would give to those three Parshios? You could call it something else, right? I mean, you might... What? Mechiras Yosef, right? Um, you know, the story of Yosef, Yosef, Yosef and his brothers, um, Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I mean, you could have a lot of names for it, but those three parshios are the parshios that we read every Hanukkah. One of the three, sometimes two of the three. This year, because Hanukkah, I believe, starts on uh, early on a Sunday night, I believe is the first night of Hanukkah, so we only get one Shabbos. But there are some years you actually get two. And it's either going to be it's going to either going to be Vayeshev and and Miketz or Miketz and maybe Miketz and sometimes Vayigash as well, usually not. But there are some years that it's Vayigash. But it can be these three. Vayichi is never uh, a parsha of Hanukkah, but those three are. So Mechiras Yosef, the story of Yosef, 
that is what people are thinking about during Shabbos Hanukkah, and that's what if you are doing your mitzvah of getting ready to read the parsha every day, you're studying sections of the upcoming parsha. Halachically, the right thing to do the week as Hanukkah is developing is to study parshas miketz. That's what everybody should be studying, I believe, this year, right? I think this year it's miketz. So people are going to be studying that. And if what is it? What are the messages they're going to be getting? Again, I, I could even ask the question a little bit different. Um, <laughs> it's again, it depends if it's an ibra year or not, a leap year or not. During Purim, usually the parshios that we read about are the parshios of the building of the Mishkan. During Purim, although in some years it's different. Most of the time, when it's not a leap year, what we read about is how the Mishkan was built, and the, it's either Truma or Tetzave comes around Purim. And Truma and Tetzave, sometimes Kisisa, but even that, besides the Cheta Eko part, deals with uh, the Kior, it deals with parts of the Ketoros. I mean, those are partials that really glorify the idea of God having a house and a presence. I think in even a greater way than, than again, Parshas Nosa. There you see what a Mishkan is, V'shachanti B'socham, and, and you can actually, there the menorah, although here the menorah is mentioned as well, on the last day, according to some Minogim, I mean, that might be a great thing to read about, right? A great thing to read about might actually be the, the, the Kriya of, of, of the Mishkan, not necessarily the Kriya of, of, of Yosef. You can even flip the question in some ways. <laughs> you know, many people have shown a similarity to Esther and the palace intrigue that was going on to Yosef, sort of being almost a uh, a, a secret Jew, or a, in a way, with power in the most powerful country. And um, you can almost see a similarity, although there isn't any evil Haman. In this, in, in these parshios, but you have a, a, an attention to detail that is similar to the attention of detail that you have in the Megillah. Uh, these parshios are the most detailed parshios. The story slows down, right? If you look in the parshios we've been reading about, even Parshas told us with all its drama, jumps years ahead, right? The kids are born and we jump 15 years ahead and then we jump a couple of other years ahead. Yaakov is 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 eighty is in his eighties in this parsha, right? We saw him at fifteen. We saw him, you know, uh, brief getting the getting the brachos. Uh, how old he was there was about forty. So we saw him at fifteen. We saw him at forty. Most of the events that take place in this week's parsha about Yaakov, he's it's about forty years late. He's already in his eighties dealing with his wives. And again, it is quite, it is detailed, but nothing like the slowed down, beautiful, detailed parshios of Vayeshev, Miketz, and Vayigash. I mean, we have, a, we, we, we have a speech from Yehuda in the beginning of Parshas Vayigash, which is, you know, um, Sir Walter Scott, who wrote the book Ivanhoe, you might have heard of him, he, he, he marveled at the, at the passion the Bible has of, of Judah's speech to, to, to Joseph. 
um, he actually asked the good questions from Walter Scott, which the, the Balintais' answer, which is that, you know, Judah has all this passion, so why didn't he, you know, you know, you know in other words, Joseph is crying and, and Judah has this passion, why, why didn't Joseph ever uh, reveal himself back to his father and tell him what was going on? Of course, this is one of the major questions. So, what I'm saying is it's, it's beautiful, it's passionate, it's been, it's not only Thomas Mann, of course, the Jewish writer who wrote the German book of Joseph and his brothers, but, but anyone who has studied the Bible has, has, has marveled at, at the, the, the detail and the, the passion, the, the humanity that, that shines through the, 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 the textured characterization of Yosef, uh, which is unusual to anything in, in the Torah. So why is that the Parsha for Hanukkah? Why is that our, our Hanukkah? That's that's really the question. So let's. Is any? Is any? If, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but has this question ever occurred to you? Why this is what we lay in during Hanukkah? This is sort of our. Uh, this is. The the Yosef parshios. Has it ever occurred to you why that seems to be the theme during Hanukkah? That's sort of like they they sort of go in tandem and it it bleeds into your consciousness about Hanukkah, right? If Shabbos is the time you come to rest, I, okay. So what's the parsha have to do with Hanukkah? Hanukkah and the parsha. Hanukkah is the parsha is Hanukkah. How, how did that happen? And what is the message? Um, so. Uh, I want to again. We don't have much time because I, I came late, and I, I promised you I wasn't going to push further. You saw our next Magachir is on his way. Um, I don't have my computer here in front of me, but let me check the time here and see what we're holding here. So we have about three minutes. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try in a couple of minutes to try to explain it. Um, I think one of the things that the, the parsha indicates. Um, we talk about the emotion of love, of Yaakov showing greater love to Yosef. The Parsha says clearly in Parsha's Vayeshev, it says, it uses the word Vayesnua, so they hated him. There's hatred, there's love, hatred. Again, Yaakov should probably know more than anyone else um, what happens when over love is done, right? He saw it in his own house that there perhaps was love too much perhaps towards 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 Asaph. And, and he also saw we can actually do it out of my computer too. I Okay. So so the uh you would think that Yaakov would have been the one who understood not to show favoritism, right? He would have understood that, that that's really not a great thing. It, it, it led to a, a, a dynamic that, that, that put him in danger. So you would think that was something he wouldn't fall into. And you would think that Yaakov, especially, you know, again, he would, would do what he could, not just the Yaakov Shamaris Hadover, not just protecting what was going on and watching what was going on. You think that he would be, he would be more proactive in terms of truncating any hatred that, 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 that was arising to do what he could. And yet, not only does he not do that, but what happens is is that he, he sends Yosef uh, in a situation where he is helpless, right? He sends Yosef in a situation where he's away from family uh, control, from family uh, protection, 
<laughs> with the, <laughs> from his protection, and actually the family, la familia, las cosa nostra, the other family, the family that's really has is, is sharpening its steely knives for him. Um, and, and one wonders what's going on. Are they just you know? Is, is it just just is just the foibles of, of the human condition? Uh, what, what, and, and Yosef puts it in perspective in a number of times, right? Yosef puts this into perspective. He says, right? It wasn't you, it was God, right? That God has been involved in, 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 in this situation. God sent me here. He, he, he tries to absolve them. So think about that. Think about the idea that, that we act based on what we feel is our human passion and will and we act upon it and we believe it to be who we are and we believe that those decisions that we've made define us and, and, and our it was done out of our our will and yet the stories <laughs> goes into those decisions details them so completely and fully and yet they are revealed to be the machinations of God Right? So it's one thing if the more de- listen to what I'm saying here, the more detailed the decision making and the emotion and passion is, the more incredible it is to find out that that itself is really the will of God working through you. <laughs> right? When you think about mind control, right? The people become zombies. They just walk around like they say, okay, right? You know, I am now in Sing Sing or whatever they say, right? Give me brains, whatever it is, right? They walk around like they're controlled by someone else. And here we actually, the Torah actually shows us that these people acted out of passion, emotion, hurt, pain, worry, guilt. And yet, Yosef, as the story proceeds through these weeks, sees this as this is really the hand of God, that this is really God working through us. And that is an incredible, incredible idea to be able to comprehend. And and that could be the reason why the brothers are so shocked when they discover that it's Yosef, right? There are, you know, so I think that if one reads the story, one can't help but say, wow, not only is this, it's not just a Shakespearean tragedy, but it also has... Uh, a, a, a denouement where God is, and through Yosef is saying, hey, you know what? You thought that was you? Chazal actually say that. Why did he hate? They hated in order for the Red Sea to be split. Why did he love more? Why did he send him helplessly away? He sent him in order to fulfill what was already prophesied to Abraham. So I think there's, there's you got me on over here now. I think there's something about if you could just table that. If there, I think there's something about Hanukkah that is crucial to this as well. Hanukkah is is, is is in a way, especially the history of Hanukkah, even without having a, a special text. Got if, if we can table that, please. Even without a somebody who knows computers can figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Even without the special text of Hanukkah, one knows that it was we brought it in a certain sense upon ourselves. There were there were actual decisions that were made by people of the Jews. 
uh, there's there's a decision that was made by Jewish people to embrace a different culture, to actually go further than Jews had ever done in a way, because not only, you know, it was worse than Avodah according to some, was actually a philosophical rejection of God. And and, and, and again, I, I don't know if that's historically accurate or not, but there are some who actually say that, that this was this was kfira almost, right? There was some again. It, it might have been just embracing of a of a certain radical avodah which did happen in Bayushani. But we know what Hanukkah was. We know that it was in a way an embracing and in, in, in a sense how this was better. Um, the misyavnim, they're from among ourselves, right? Um, I don't know if in bias Rishon, even if they did Avodazar, if there was a if there was a rejection of 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 the bris, the way there was during the time of Hanukkah. So one could say, you know, we were really guilty, like we had done, and and yet I think this, the Yosef story tells us that even these acts were going to lead to something. The the the. It wasn't just we rejected it, but the same way the Yosef story tells us that God works through us, even in our most negative feelings and our negative actions, here too, the negativity that was brought in by this embracing of, of, of Hellenistic culture, the rejection of, of, of God the way we had understood him, um, led to a, a change that even, which was positive, um, one could actually say, again, this is, you know, here I'm engaging in somewhat speculation, but I think part of it is, is, is to recognize that there is, uh, the same way Yosef says, the Kedusha of the Neshama of the Jew is there despite the actions, we need to know that about Nes Hanukkah as well. Hirsch says that Hanukkah keeps us going through Golis. Hanukkah, which is a goalless holiday, keeps us going. There's nothing more like the Yosef story to realize that when we think that these actions we're doing are, are not part of what God's plan is, and they really are. Even in the next Hanukkah, I, I, can, I can tell you that it's clear to me that through this interaction, there became a necessity to articulate clearer the Jewish mindset, and especially I think about Talmudic learning. It became more, if you would pardon this, Rav Cook says this in a way, more philosophic. It became a more philosophic thinking Judaism afterwards. True, it was it was a terrible threat, but it did rise to become something very, very important. And I, I think that the Yosef story underscores that that how important it is to keep these emotions and feelings and tie vote and desires in check, but it also shows how God has actually his hand in history and his hand in forming us and changing us and helping us go on to the next level. Hanukkah was, 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 was a shock to the system, but actually leads to something great. It led to a, not only a, a strengthening and a, and, and getting back the kingship, but also a restructuring and almost a reimagining of Jewish thought. Because it became, in a way, more Greek. It became more philosophic. It became more abstract thinking and other things that part of what the Greek world gave us. Of course, we, we moved away from sort of the, the hedonistic 
aspect of it, but we're able, I believe, to, to, to actually grow from that other part of it. So I think the Yosef story, in a way, again, this is just my suggestion, because of its detail, because of it could actually speak to us and say, wow, you know, these actions that the Jewish people went through Hanukkah and the actions that we're taking here in Golis as well, these, these detailed things, the slowdown of this world is really part of God's plan in a greater way. It's like the same way we think that our life is all about the argument or the issue or, 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 or whatever it was that we had in our daily lives, it's part of the Yad Hashem Shoshochani. And I think that's a message not only about the Nes Hanukkah, but it's also, like Hirsch says, what allows the Hanukkah Tkufa to be a Tkufa that we can hang on to and, and realize where the guru is coming. Okay, so that's really the idea. I know I sort of like compressed a lot there, but the tape will be available, and I think if you listen to it, I think you'll be able, I can send you some more sources about that. But that's that's the idea I want to suggest to you, why this par- why these parshios are the Hanukkah parshios. And uh, it sets you up for some good learning, hopefully, in the next couple of weeks. All right. So um, I don't want to push everybody out, but we have our, our Maggie Cheer has been waiting here. And I've got to introduce... you welcome uh, to stay. I don't know if anybody else would appreciate it. But I've got to introduce them. You guys can stay. Yeah, this is not... We are not men we versus women. <laughs> we are not men, Sheer versus women here. But thanks a lot. Uh-oh. Thank you, Mr. Mirza Shem will meet next week and Sirstovas. Thank you. Give me a second here, Not men, sheer versus women here. But thanks a lot. Uh oh. Thank you, Mr. Shem will meet. Mr. Shem.